0: You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. This is a series where, just speaking about it, I've got the visuals here. So we've just been through a couple of weeks on God's presence, talking about what we gather around. And now for the next five weeks, we gather, we grow part one, we grow part two, we go and we give. And uh, yeah, I want to speak right at the beginning of Genesis. As Ray said, easy to find, first book of the Bible. So we know what we gather around, but what do we do? (laughs) What's our purpose? Uh, What's the reason if you're a Christian, what's the reason that the moment you give your life to Jesus, he doesn't take you back home? Why does he leave us hanging around? What's our purpose? Why do we even do this? What is the reason? I don't know if I'll be able to solve that large question even in five weeks. That's why we gather frequently so we can discuss that and talk about that and preach on that. But hopefully we can get some insight from the Word of God this morning about why we at least gather around. And what I do is talk, what I wanted to start with is why we originally gathered. Why God created us. What did He ask us to do? And there's this beautiful picture here that gives us a sense of what our purpose was originally, and speaks into our purpose today. Here we see man created, walking freely in the presence of God. I love that we were created day six, so what do we do the first day of existence? We rest with God. He rests on the seventh day. On our first day, we rest and we have fun and we hang with God. Day one. We don't even get to the part of doing any work. I love that. Instantly, we're created, we rest with God. But here we see God say, you're in charge here. This is what you're in charge of. I want you to cultivate it. I want you to build with my creativity, with my eternal and endless presence. I want you to form and shape the world with me, under my will. We talked about last two weeks, walking with God in the cool of the afternoon. I don't know, I can imagine Adam planning things with God. What do you think about this, God? How does this work? What could we do here? We know that the curse made work harder or, un, or unenjoyable at times, so we know that work would have been enjoyable. That moment where you find a hobby or work that you love and it's, it's fun and it's enjoyable and you feel creative, that's this image here growing and building together, gathering with each other and him and going and giving of ourselves as we cultivated this garden, multiplied, built a family, built a nation. This, we can see this beautiful plan, cultivating and building with God's creativity, purpose and presence. That's what we have from day six but day one for us, what God intended. And I know the world is broken and fallen, and, but every now and again we get glimpses of what it looks like to create in his presence. Every now and then in the world you look around and you see, yeah, that is what it looks like. Let me give you some examples over the last 2,000 years. Not all of them. <laughs> Let me give you some examples. We see hospitals. There's a reason hospitals are named St. John and St. Peter because the church started them. What a beautiful thing. We need to look after the sick and the poor. Inspired by the creativity that the Spirit of God gave us. Hospitals. Schools. Schools started to help people read the Bible. I know we've been taken out of them, which is just crazy because Christians started schools. Here's one you may not know, but universities. A lot of universities started by believers and there is a direct correlation between a strong science program in a nation and believers. It's not unfair to say science itself, the research of science, began or was inspired by a lot of believers wanting to understand God's creation. Somehow the world, or the, we know it's not the world, the, the enemy has twisted it around to make those two enemies of each other. It's, that's that's a new idea. That's probably the last hundred years that idea's around. Before that, it was believers talking about the majesty of God and wanting to understand it that inspired science. Chocolate. No, no. Some of you might be divided. Some of you like, oh, that's, I don't like the sugar. I don't reckon that's a thing from God. I don't know. But either way, God's presence has peered through into the darkness and allowed us to create with joy, healing, restoration, hope and love. As it was intended. No wonder God said, when he'd finished, this is good. This is good. So imagine if we took that call, and this is the crux of today. Imagine if we took that call for this endless presence and creativity with God bringing the kingdom come, as Jesus would say. That was his mission statement. We took all of that and we condensed it to 9 to 11 on a Sunday morning. That's not just challenging for us, it's challenging for every single church on the planet, particularly in the West. Imagine if we took all of that, the living water flowing through us and flowing out into the community in our areas of work, living, life, friendship, neighbours. And we said, oh, no, 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 no. We'll just keep it 9 to 11 on Sundays, but we'll have really good morning tea. (laughs) And uh, imagine that. And I guess I just want to ask the question as we reflect on that this morning. Is that what Jesus taught? Is that what Christian Christian living is meant to be, a waiting room? Sometimes the gospel is sold as, it's really going to be good after you die. Sometimes We know well, we've heard that or we've even thought that. Oh, I can't wait till heaven because that's when I can start being excited. That's when it's good. And sometimes we sell that. You should accept Jesus because it's going to be good after you die. <laughs> and it is going to be good in heaven. I'm not saying that. But there's so much more to it than that. And the scripture tells us this. So much more than just after we die, which is, shouldn't say just, that's eternity, that's going to be amazing. There's stuff right now. So opinion here, if that was it, church, if, if all it was was a waiting room till we get to heaven, I reckon the Western church would be hemorrhaging people and it would be losing people everywhere and our churches would be shutting doors. If that was the message we're giving, it's going to be good, 9 to 11 on Sundays and when we die. Critical fact for us all to be challenged with. No individuals here. The church is closing doors in the West. Is shrinking. And I believe this only opinion, I believe that's partly the problem. The Eastern, don't get me started on the Eastern Church. They get it. They're exploding. The church won't die. It's God's church. But the Western Church has this sense that it gets good after you die. And 9 to 11 that's when it's also good. That's what I want to challenge us with today, not to offend, just to provoke a sense of reflecting on what the church is meant to do because I believe if if we're not pouring out the living water into our community, what's to stop God turning the tap off into our community if we're just swimming in it in here and not letting it pour outwards. It's challenging, this is challenging me as I reflected on what we're about. So, This morning, for a moment, can I ask myself and invite us all, and those listening, because I I want our church to podcast this if they're not here, because this is important. Let's put our tradition to the side, what we like to the side, what we've grown up with, any age, any stage. Not throw it away. Let's just reflect afresh this morning on what church is for, and then we can add some of the good stuff back in. (laughs) Keep in mind, some of this will be familiar, if not all. Some of this might challenge something in you. Some of us may be encouraged. In fact, a good teaching hopefully does all of this. My prayer is that you take note, chew on this, pray about this in the coming weeks. And if you believe it to be the truth and work out how to commit to it and buy into it and make, put your treasure towards it. Let me pray again for this morning. As we explain why we gather, let me pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that this is a church that flows outwards. No doubt about it. Seen it this week in stories from this church. But we can always be challenged. We can always be growed. Growed? Growth? You know what I mean, Lord. Grown. Father, I just pray we're both encouraged and challenged this morning as we reflect on what we're here for. What's our purpose and how do we buy in and become a stronger body of Christ for you? Amen. So we're going to be looking at a book um, in Ephesians this morning. Let me just give you some background though. So Ephesians, um, we're not going to go through the whole book, don't worry. just going to be giving you a part of it this morning and throughout the next few weeks. But I want to give you some background on what this book is about. So Ephesians, it just means it's a letter to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is this city, not unlike the Gold Coast. All these different cultures, all these different people gathering under different things. Idols, trade, buying, wanting to build a city. We we can't help ourselves but gather humans. We love the city. We love gathering together and building things. And so Ephesus is like this. We know there's heaps of different philosophies going around. We know there's heaps of different teaching. And the church in the middle of this city is unsure of who it's meant to be, of what it's meant to do in this mixing pot of culture. Sound familiar? (laughs) Sounds familiar to every single church in Australia, I think, sometimes. What are we doing in this mixing pot and whirlwind of culture? What's our purpose here? So Paul writes them a letter a letter to the Ephesians. Now the first few chapters, I was encouraged as I started to explore this, I was affirmed in what we've been doing here because in Ephesians 1 to 4, Paul basically gives the history of God's pursuit of us. And then he talks and gives thanks in verse 4 about the presence of God with us. First and foremost, Paul wants to say that we gather not in our own strength, it's not about us, We gather around Jesus. We gather in his presence. We're not earning anything. He's done everything for us. It's all about Jesus. As I read through that, I was so affirmed again that that's what we've done for the last two weeks. We've been wanting to talk about Jesus first, his Holy Spirit. Now we'll talk about what it means for us. And he does this with this word at the end of verse 4. He talks about the Jews and the Gentiles coming together, all the nations coming together, those that believe in Jesus. And he doesn't say these exact words, but it sounds very similar to our vision statement here, which is to be a inviting, ever-growing, unifying family table that brings glory to God. He says this is, there's this community that is at work and it's made up of different people And it's to the glory of God. Then he says this word, which is pretty much this whole series. Therefore, what do you do with it? Well, let's read. Ephesians 4 starts off, it says, Therefore, Paul explaining himself, therefore, what do we do with this body of Christ? What do we do with this presence of God? He says, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Him saying, because Paul is often in prison. But he's also saying he's that captivated by God, he's a prisoner to him. Not as a slave, but he's, his whole life is captivated by the Lord Jesus Christ. So much so that he spends a lot of time in prison. Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. With all humanity and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes at church? Sometimes you love each other. Sometimes you just have to bear with one another in love. Amen. Humans are involved. It's sometimes hard, but eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in a bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one accordingly to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, let me stop there just a couple of things of interest as we look at Paul's explanation of what the body does we've got this first of all to call to unity not uniformity this is important paul here calls us to be unified under christ around christ but we don't have to look the same and some of you are going Phew, "thank goodness" Others are going, well, wouldn't mind actually looking like that person. But <laughs> straight from the market says we are all different, right? Some of us might feel rich. Some of us might feel poor. Some of us might wear a suit to church. Others may wear ripped jeans that are more expensive than the, than the suit. <laughs> Some of us may work full-time, part-time, casual, volunteer, full-time mum or dad. You may have different views even. Get this, you might even believe different things on the non-essentials in the Bible. Churches of Christ mantra is, is um, uh, unity in the essentials and liberty in the non-essentials. It is to say what, what we gather around is important, Christ, the gospel. But we can actually have different views in the non-essentials. So you can be a post-tribulation pre millennialist in your view of end times. And that's okay. And a person sitting next to you might have the opposing view. It's oh, you, and If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about end times, how it all plays out. There were scholars on both sides. There were deep theologians on both sides. That's okay. What a great dinner conversation. <laughs> Maybe. It's okay. You can disagree with that. You still agree that Jesus is God and that he saved you. And we gather around that. You may hear God in dreams. You may have dreams and hear from God. You may hear from God going bushwalking. You may hear from God first thing in the morning as you awaken. You might get a sense of his presence. You might hear him in intellectual study. As you study the word, you might hear him, hear his voice come out as you read commentaries or conversations with each other. These are non-essentials. They're great, but we're all different. You can disagree with me even. You can not like my shirt or my facial hair or the music I like. That changes absolutely nothing. <laughs> if you disagree with my faith, we do have a bit of a problem, but no, no, you can, we can totally disagree with that, but it doesn't matter because Jesus, his salvation and transformation and faith in him is what unites us. This is what we gather around. This is what a body does. This is the hope, the way, the life that unifies us. Amen. 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 Let's keep reading. When we ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he he ascended ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into lower regions of the earth? He descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, he's talking about the giftings, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for their work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to unity of the faith and to the... as that word again, unity. And to the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I like this. So we won't be children tossed to and throw by the waves and carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. We won't be children. we will mature. My kids change their mind about what they like, what they wear on a secondly basis. We get out all the toys, we got to play. They want to play with the other thing now. we got to grow up together, grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from which the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped, which every part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Second thing pulled out of here, Now, we're going through some pretty deep text here. I get that. And sometimes we go through word for word as we did in Exodus. We tried to go through chapter and chapter. We're going through the main points here in Ephesians, but I ask that you'd go home and study and read through Ephesians over the next five weeks. If you've got a small group, which we're going to talk about next week, study with them, look over it, pray on this. Um, This is an overview. Ephesians 4, a call to grow and strengthen the body and each other. Let me say that again. We see a call to grow and strengthen the body and each other. Healthy things grow. And we're not just talking about bottoms on seats (laughs) on Sunday. I had bums here, but I thought I will not say bums, i will say bottoms. It's more formal. But it's not just about bottoms on seats. It's also about growing in relationship with God. And, of course, wanting to see more and more people know Jesus but going deeper with him. And yes a byproduct will be more people will start gathering with us because there will be something special, something incredible that draws them to us. Let me keep reading Ephesians 4:17 now. Let me pull that up here. Now this I say and testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of heart, they have become careless and and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him, that you're taught in him. So he's assuming that they know this is to people that, again gather around jesus understand his gospel understand they're free understand there's nothing left more it is finished and as they live in that salvation therefore this is what it looks like to live in that news assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth in jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on your new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And the last part. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not, do, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labour, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such that is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath and anger and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. The last overview out of Ephesians is a call to encourage each other in our growth and lives in the truth and ways of Jesus. A call to encourage each other in our growth and lives in the truth and ways of Jesus. Time and time again, the Scriptures calls us And this passage makes it incredibly clear that one of the major purposes we're meant to gather around is to encourage each other. It calls us to build each other up. What's funny is I'm in a couple of senior pastors' networks and never have any of them, and I ask them this, no no one has ever received a letter or knows anyone who has received a letter that says, can you help us encourage each other more? They've received letters about everything else, every church, every about tons of other things, but hardly ever encouragement comes up, yet it's just flooded through the Bible about how we must consider encouraging each other as we come to church. How do we build each other up? A little sarcastic there, but it's what the Bible tells us time and time and time again. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, I'm conscious of the time, but the devil, the word the devil, is actually just a description. In the Hebrew, it's actually just a word, not for a being, a person, a spiritual entity. It does describe that spiritual entity, and that entity does exist, Satan, the devil. But the word actually just means slanderer. And so there's people in the Bible that are called the opposer and the slanderer that may not be of the spiritual devil, What I'm trying to say is, that's how serious the Bible is about this. That if you come into the gathering to slander, to put down, there's healthy critique, don't get me wrong, but if you come with gossip on your lips, you're actually being a devil, the enemy of the church. That's not to anyone. That's just purely what that word means and how serious. It's why Jesus actually calls Peter, who he loves Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. Not because Peter was actually being Satan, but he was opposing, slandering, bringing the message down that Jesus was trying to get out. I digress. The call here in Ephesians 4 and right across the Bible is not a call to gather at one time of the week, but to live our lives together within the culture, within our workplace, within our town, within our city, and live in a new way, a new humanity in a new way. A form, a new truth, the way of Jesus Christ. So that we may walk and live as a new humanity. I think one of the biggest tragedies of the modern church, and I said this at the start, is we've forgotten, and I'm not talking to this church, I'm talking across the West particularly, we've forgotten that church is not the thing that happens Sunday morning. That's a, probably a hang up from Jewish synagogue and Roman Catholicism. Now, don't get me wrong, Sunday's great. I love Sundays. This is not, I'm not saying Sundays, don't stop coming to church. It's fantastic, but it's not the whole walk of God. We forget that none of us attend church, that we are the church. Listen to the description of the early church in Acts. And don't worry, if you're looking at the time, you think he's going to go in and I'm just giving you a description of what they look like. We won't go into this too much today. Acts 2.42-47. to 47. This is a picture of the early church having coming in knowledge, living as the body. This is what the type of things they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, communion and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And of course, people couldn't believe it. And they were added to their number day by day, those that were being saved. Not a prescription here. It's not a doctor's form out saying you have to do this. It's a description of what a healthy body of Christ can look like. It's painting a picture of a group living day to day. Interesting enough, communion was actually a meal in their homes. The weekly temple visit was a mission trip. Because who, who worshipped at the temple? Those following Judaism. So it was a mission trip. It wasn't actually church. The weekly temple visit was because they were good Jews and they were telling other Jews that Jesus had come and he's a fulfillment of their scripture. And then they met in their homes. They gathered around Jesus. No one was attending church in that scripture. They were the church in that scripture. So what does this mean to us as we... Finish off this morning. What does this practically mean for Heads Church of Christ? Do we get rid of Sunday? <laughs> no, that's not the message. If you're getting that, I'm sorry. Don't get rid of Sunday. It's fantastic. Do we become home churches? No, not the message either. Do we change communion to a meal? That would be insane. We have, we're still trying to get enough morning tea people, let alone trying to do communion as a meal each week. So we're, we're going to keep communion as it is, but it's good questions. Abe's excited for a meal each week, are you? yeah yeah, yeah. all fair questions but not the intention of this sermon it's not to tear down things but to make sure and understand we know the heart of what we're doing here there's two things i want to call our gatherings over the next five weeks i want to call sunday the large table we'll talk about small tables next week i want to talk and call sunday the large tables what are large tables for Matthew eighteen twenty says, For when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Colossians three sixteen says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and songs that don't even have a category, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together is in the habit of some. But this is important. Large tables, getting together, encouraging one another, all the more as we see the day drawing near. I see three large tables in our church that we, are, we want to be excellent at. Any more than that? And you that, become that friend that's always inviting people to your thing and never having time to go to their thing. <laughs> if we have any more large tables, we have any more events here, we're going to start just living at the church, never getting a chance to go out. So let me give you our large tables that we see. And we prayed about over, uh, some of this. We prayed about these concepts as elders actually Tuesday night. Large tables. Sunday morning weekly. We've got the Sunday afternoon gathering, which we do a bit of a meal monthly. That could look at, like different things, but it's a great way to encourage those that can't come Sunday morning. And then I love that this Sunday hymn and celebration is a bit of a hybrid. It's missional, as church should be, but it's a monthly gathering that will be really encouraging for our church, I believe, and will really help sections of our church connect to God in the era that they worshipped him in. It's beautiful. I'm not saying we'll never have other large table things, but let's do these well, church. (laughs) Because we don't want to be those people that are always inviting people to our thing, and not even, oh, can you come to my house over for dinner? I'm sorry, I have another thing from my church. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, I've got my church doing this. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm in this for my church. These are three large tables I think we want to commit to as a church and do excellent, do well, commit to. And what do they do? Well, we've read here today, they gather together and celebrate God's presence in our lives. They remember and center ourselves through communion and prayer. They gather and worship with a heart of gratitude, celebrate and encourage each other in our walk and inspire and anchor ourselves in God's truth, word and testimony. You're probably thinking, what about deep discussion? What about deep growth and challenge? We'll talk about that next week because that's done in smaller settings all through the Bible. The large table, you can have deep discussions this morning, but the large table is for encouragement. Celebration, inspiration, unity. We gather with Jesus Christ and each other, unified by his spirit and in celebration of his truth. We gather so that we can go all week and grow and give and bring the living presence of God Monday to Saturday and then Sunday morning we fill up together Slap each other on the back. Unless you've got a sore back, don't do that. And encourage each other to keep on going and walking in the Spirit. So three... Que- uh, yeah, just a couple of questions to consider and then I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the band to come up why I'm giving these questions. If you're taking notes, here's some questions to consider. Some homework this week. Sorry, everyone go, oh, homework. No, don't be like that. It's, it's good. It's good to ask questions during the week of each other. So... How are you preparing yourself? As you come to church, how are you preparing yourself to gather in God's presence on Sunday? In the car ride here, as you think about the church service on Sunday, are you praying about it? Are you praying that God's presence will meet you there? Are you preparing your hearts for the gathering? If not, how can you do that? Talk to each other over morning tea. Ask each other this. Who and how can you encourage others on Sunday? If your first thought after church is, I've need," i got a bit of a critique this morning, that's right, save it for encouraging someone first. Go and find someone and uplift them. Go and find that mother that is running around frantically and say, can I get some kids, can I stop the kids getting food or can I help get the kids some food? Go help that person that looks like they're struggling with their health and pray for them. Go find that person that you know is stuck in the middle of, the business world and just their mind and their, their 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 mind is preoccupied with decisions and pray for them and if you've had that experience share your experience with them that person looks lonely come over and tell them it's okay we love them their family and pray for them how can you as the body of Christ encourage each other every week what expectation do you place on Sunday That's possibly not biblical. If you put your whole faith onto Sunday, it's impossibly, it's never going to meet it. It's too much. What expectation are you putting on Sunday that's biblical? If it's not, that's okay. But just go easy on our Sundays. It's one day of our Christian walk of the week. It can't do everything. And lastly, how can you be more part of the church body? If we want to do those large tables well, We'd love you to serve in as any way you could see fit. We'd love you to help and do those excellently. Let me pray and we'll sing one more song. If you've got questions, please come and have a chat to me. I'm really excited for what we're going to explore over the next five weeks. I think it's a real marker point and foundation for this community. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much. First and foremost, that we don't have to perform for you. We don't have to work for you. We don't have to earn your love. But because of your Son, because of the presence of God that you have given us, because your Holy Spirit fills us, because we have living water to share, therefore we want to grow as a body, we want to celebrate as a body, and we want to grow and go out and share you. Inspire us, lift us up, give us your creativity, your presence, your love, your well, you've already given us everything. <laughs> Pour out more of it. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, team.